Hello, welcome to the Central Christian Church Message Podcast. We are passionate about leading people to discover and fully own faith in Jesus. It is our desire that the following message inspires you to take your next steps in your own faith. Let's dive in. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to you. Welcome to you, whichever campus you're on, however you're experiencing this. If you happen to be online, welcome to you wherever you are. In fact, I can see right here, uh, Tyson, welcome from North Carolina. Sonia from Oregon and whoever you are from wherever uh, around the world, wherever. uh, Thanks for being a part of us. I am so glad that you're with us and uh, I'm excited for what we're going to talk about today. Now, before we get to the message, though, I want to go back and I want to comment on what Pastor Tyler just talked about. I wanna just uh, say a couple of things that uh, I just wanna share my heart uh, about this. Obviously, these are difficult days to be alive and it's kinda hard to know how to navigate our way through all of this, but let me just just share some thoughts with you, okay? Um, We as a church are determined to do something that's really, really hard to do. And uh, what we're determined to do is we want to love people the way God called us to love people. I would love to say that we're just always really good at that as a church or as the church, the capital C church, but truthfully, uh, we probably disappoint God in some ways because we don't really take him as seriously as we should. Now, obviously, um, Jesus said it very, very clearly, uh, a new command I give you, that you love one another. And and so for us as a church, what we've kind of took on as a mantra is that we gotta love beyond. We've got to love beyond. Love beyond means most of us are comfortable loving to a certain degree. I'll I'll go that far, and we call that the line or the limit. I'll love up to that degree. I will not love beyond. I will love up to but not beyond. And God goes, that's not good enough. I need you to love beyond. And so we've got to learn how to love even when it's uncomfortable. And I believe with all my heart that if we would take, take Jesus at his word on this, we would transform the world. I really believe that. I just want to say this because I just feel the need to say this. I have no idea what it feels like to be a person of color. I, I just don't. What I do is I sit down with people of color and I listen and I go, I, yeah, I don't, it's not, not my experience. I, I, I hear you. I also have no idea what it's like to be a person in law enforcement. I. I'm not, that's not what I do. I don't know what it means to kiss my wife goodbye and my kids goodbye in the morning knowing that I might not see them. I don't know what that feels like. But I'll sit down with people in law enforcement and I'll go, yeah, I hurt. So somewhere, church, what we gotta do is we have gotta figure out how to love beyond our understanding of our own experiences and go, you know what, we're gonna do what Jesus said. And as I already revealed, I truly believe that's the only thing that's gonna change this broken world we're living in. So church, let's do that. Let's just figure it out. Let's just be real. And uh, we'll mess up, we'll make mistakes, but um, by seeking God and obeying God, I I believe we can make a difference, Amen? amen? Anyone with me? All right. Okay, so today, and uh, buckle up. Okay, put your seatbelt on, all right? We're gonna move, all right? I don't wanna throw you out of the car, all right? We're gonna hit some curves here. Okay, so we're in a series right now. We're calling it From Now On. And the idea of From Now On was a catchphrase from society, obviously from the movie Greatest Showman. Uh, from Now On, uh, and we, we said is Easter changed everything. So from now on, 
Uh, what was isn't going to be. What, what used to be isn't what's going to be. All right. And so we're talking about this. And I, I don't know about you, but one of the things that I, I just think is really cool is whenever you see a before and after picture of something, you know, you saw it and then you, I mean, if it's legit and it's real, like, let me show you a couple of pictures. I want to show you uh, like a, a Datsun 240Z. Um, this is just the same car. Okay, now this is absolutely cool. You can restore a car. That's what it was. This is what it became, a before and an after. And you go, wow, that's just awesome. Uh, sometimes it, it's like, this is, this is hard to believe. This is a building in New York City that was simply power washed on one side and not on the other. It's hard to believe that under all that gook and soot, you know, there's beautiful building underneath there, all right? A before and after. Sometimes uh, what you could do is you could see something that a craftsman was able to do. Let me show you this. This is the same chair. Uh, before and, and after. In, in the hands of somebody who knows what they're doing, it, it's amazing. And then I wanna show you this picture. This is the coolest one of all. You gotta stare at this to understand what you're looking at. That is the side of a building. It is painted, the top is painted into the bottom. And, and the fact that you can just do this, that there's that much creativity uh, uh, available, that, that there's that much transformation available. And so the reason we're talking about all of these things is we're, we're trying to explain it from now on. See, if that resurrection hadn't happened, then as it always had been, it always will be. But this thing is, it's so transformational. What Jesus did in rising from the dead, it, it took us from what was to what could be. And, and that's what we're talking about. So each of the weeks in this series, that's what we've been wrestling with. The Easter message was how you can move from, from despair to actually having hope. Hope wins over despair because of the resurrection. In the second week of the series, we talked about the fact that, you know, you, you could be absolutely unfazed by what happened uh, at the resurrection, or, or you could be amazed. See, see amazed is, is over unfazed. You start to understand what happened, you start going, wow. You, you, last week we talked about uh, courage over cowardice. It's really easy to be a coward. It's really easy to be overwhelmed, but to have courage. See, the, tra the, the transformation that God wants to do in our lives is to take us from fearful people in, into powerfully guided people with his, with his leading. Today, I'm gonna talk about something. It's not gonna make sense, but trust me, it will. Uh, I wanna talk about response over regret. Response over regret. I, I know it's, 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 those are kind of goofy words. You don't tie them together. What I want to explain to you is this, is that if you'll do what God says, you'll never regret doing it. If you'll respond, you'll never regret. Response over regret. And so here's the deal. Let's pull out our Bibles. We're going to jump into Acts chapter 10. Uh, we're going to get there in just a moment. And uh, I want to show you how uh, this, what is possible in God is just overwhelming. And uh, so Acts chapter 10, just find that in your Bible. While you're going there, let me... Let me explain that um, the whole idea from now on. Now listen carefully or I'm gonna lose you. So if you read your Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four biographies of the life of Jesus. And then you get to the end of each of them and you get to the resurrection, the crucifixion, the resurrection. The Easter story ends four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four stories, biographies of Jesus. The next, like the sequel, the next volume is the book of Acts. So all we're doing is looking at what was before the resurrection and what was after the resurrection. So we're going into the book of Acts and each of these, uh, each of these messages have been built on showing you a picture of how it changes when you have a resurrection. 
And like last week, Danielle talked about the fact that, you know, courage over cowardice. And she referenced Peter. And I want to do just to get us thinking, because I want to show you Peter again today. But I want to show you what happened. I want to actually read it to you. So you're going to be in Acts 10. I'm going to bring these passages up on the screen so you can follow along. Let me show you what I'm talking about. In Matthew chapter 26, before the resurrection, this is how we found Peter. All right. Now, Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came up to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee. She said, but, but, but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. And, and then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I swear to God, I wasn't there. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing outside there went to, up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Now, I'm not going to call down curses and tell you what he said, but you can get the idea. He's like emphatic, I don't know the man. This is a coward who's being pressed by two little girls, and he caves. Now, the resurrection happened in the book of Acts, the sequel, in chapter 4. He's hauled before what's called the Sanhedrin, the high court of Israel. Imagine the Supreme Court of the United States. He is taken there, and, and they put some demands on him. And, and let me show you the difference. From now on, courage, all right? So Acts 4, then they called them in again, he and John, and commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus at all. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him, to Jesus? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about that which we have seen and heard. That is a transformed life. That is a different guy. He's like, you're not shutting me up. You're not intimidating me. You're not backing me down. And this is the most powerful court in Israel that is trying to get him to be quiet. How does this happen? And here's what I want you to wrestle with people. Please wrestle with this. Do you think this is just for the Bible? That lives can change that much, but you've got to be in the Bible. If you're not in the Bible, in the Bible times, it ain't going to happen. I think that's a huge mistake. I think the transformation in Peter is the same sort of thing God wants to do in you and in me. And it's doable. But there's some stuff that has to happen. So I'm going to ask you a simple question, okay? It's a simple, it's a deep, simple question. All right, here it is. I'm going to put it on the screen. What difference will God make in your life? What difference will God make in your life? Well, I don't know. What difference will God make in your life? And you want to know the correct answer? You ready for it? Here it comes. No more than you'll allow. I got to let that soak for just a moment. No more than you'll allow. No more than I'll allow. Why is it that somebody comes to Jesus and their entire world is flipped upside down for the good and somebody else says, I kind of sort of believe in Jesus and not much happens. Is God different? Did God do something over here that he didn't do over here? Was God more favorable to them and not to them? No. God wired this thing so that you have a say in how it's going to go. Now, that might bother you, but let me explain it to you this way. God never kidnapped you. God never broke into your house. God never held you hostage. God never took you as a slave against your will. That's what you've got to understand. God offers you something. He invites you into something. You can say yes or you can say no. 
You want to go on a ride? Or do you not want to go? Do you want to go on an adventure? Do you want to, just, you want to live an exciting life? You want to live a boring life? This is what we're going to find here in Acts chapter 10. And you've got to understand that it, it's just incredible. Now, I, I, I want to say it to you differently. Let me ask you, please understand, I'm talking to you, okay? I'm locking eyes with all of you everywhere. I have so many eyes, all right? Okay, do you want to grow? Do you want to grow? How much do you want to grow? Of course, we say, of course I want to grow. Have you, have you thought much about this? How are you going to grow? Is growth just accidental? Is it just incidental? Is it just automatic? You graduated high school, most likely. Some went on to, uh, you know, a, get an undergrad degree. Others went on to get a grad degree or more, whatever. When, when did you decide you, you had it all that you needed? When did you stop growing? And I'm not talking about physical. I'm talking about spiritually, emotionally, mentally. How, how much are you like the you that was 10 years ago, you? What's happened in the last decade? How much do you want to grow? I want to say this. Change is inevitable. Change is coming, folks. We, every week, we talk about this. Every week, I don't know what I'm going to have to get up next week and say about what happened in the world this next week. I don't know. It's, the world's changing. It's inevitable. It's changing. But growth, for you and me, that's optional. I can stay exactly the same person through the rest of my life if that's what I choose. God will... God gave me the, the will. I can do that. You can do that. You don't have to change at all. You can be you, the same you for the next 30 years if God gives you that long. But do you want to be the same you? Because I can tell you, I want five things. I can preach a sermon on each of these five things. Let me tell you five things about growth. Growth is number one, threatening. Growth is threatening. You have to be somebody you've never been, which makes it number two, risky. I don't know how to live that person. I don't never been that person. I don't know how to live that kind of life. That's that's, in, that's threatening to me. It's, it's risky. That's, what if I followed God and I did what he wanted me to do? Then what would happen? Where would I end up then? Third, it's uncomfortable. Just as you went through growing pains when you went through puberty, there's growing pains that come with transformation. It doesn't come with, with this ease. It's uncomfortable. Can you say you were wrong? Can you say you, you didn't know? Can you say... I misunderstood, I didn't grasp. Can you say those things? Because you're gonna have to. The fourth thing I can tell you about growth is it's preventable. It's not inevitable, it's preventable. Change is inevitable, growth can be prevented. You can stay who you are, but why would you want to? And fifth, and obviously, growth is transformational. Now, <clears throat> let me ask you the question again. How much difference is God gonna make in your life? How much difference, please look at me, how much difference do you want him to make in your life? That's the real question. It's not a limit on him, it's a limit on you and me. How much difference do you want God to make you? Or are you just gonna be content to be who you are for the rest of your life? Here's the big idea that I'm gonna try in the next few minutes to kind of illustrate. Resolving to obey God never ends in regret. Resolving is when you make your mind up, when you decide, you plot a course, you're going, this is where I'm going. When you decide to obey God, you'll never get there and wish you hadn't have done what you did. And I know this to be true. I just know this to be true. Here's the other truth. You're never gonna disobey God and win. And I've learned that personally. You're never gonna do what God said not to do and come out ahead. 
God is for you, not against you. He is trying to help you, not hurt you. He's not trying to limit you. He's trying to set you free. But I disobey because I think there's a better way. I don't think he knew. I think he didn't understand. I think he was not kind. I think he was holding back, holding out. These are the things that go through our head. Guys, if sin were the way to bless you, God would cut you loose to go sin. But it's not the way to bless. Resolving to obey God. I'm going to do what God said. You'll never be sorry. Never ends in regret. Now, let's get to Acts chapter 10. Okay, okay, everybody, look at me. Look at me. Caveat. Okay, here we go. We're going to read the entire 10th chapter of the book of Acts in church today. Okay, some of you guys, I just, you wet your pants just now. Okay, relax. Okay, yeah, I see you. All right, you're squirming. We're going to go through this so fast, but here's what I need from you, okay? I need grace to understand what I'm doing, and I need your attention, because I'm going to move. This thing is going to move so fast, but it's going to move in three, uh, like, like stages, okay? Or three little chapters, if you would. Three little scenes. But, but I'm telling you, you want to follow this one. This one is, you can learn so much. This is absolutely one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. I love this chapter. I love what it represents. So you guys got to hang on, okay? So again, I've already asked you to buckle up. Now tighten it, because we're going to haul, all right? So Acts chapter 10, I'm going to introduce you to a couple of people. Number one, I'm going to introduce you to a guy named Cornelius. Cornelius is where we're going to begin, all right? So we're going to be in Acts chapter 10, begin with verse 1. At Caesarea, I got to stop. I got to stop right there. At Caesarea, Caesarea is one of two of my absolute favorite places in Israel. I just got to stop here. Caesarea is just above. It's just north of Tel Aviv. You go to Israel with us. We're going to fly into Tel Aviv. The first stop, I, I just I, the first stop on any trip I'm leaving. We're going to Caesarea. Caesarea is a port city just directly north of Tel Aviv. It's beautiful. It's on the Mediterranean. I mean, I've literally I've spent hours just sitting there staring out at the Mediterranean. I love Caesarea. So the scene that we're going to get in Acts 10 happens right there in Caesarea. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. All right, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. The stop, the stop. So this is a Roman soldier stationed in this place. All right, and, and he's part of a regiment. They just identify as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family, he and all of his family were devout and God fearing. He gave generously to those in need, and he prayed to God regularly. One day. At about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa and bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything he had, that had happened and he sent them to Joppa. Now listen, so Caesarea is above Tel Aviv. Joppa is now below Tel Aviv. Joppa, it's called Joppa now, but Joppa is about oh, a mile, a half a mile, four miles. It's, it's, a little, it's a village. It's directly south of Tel Aviv. So this is like a 30 mile jaunt that they're gonna have to do, okay? Joppa is where Jonah set sail. That's Joppa. And, and so you, you start to, this is like, this is the real place, okay? So Caesarea is up here, Joppa's down here. This guy gets you know, this vision. Now let me point out a couple things. Don't miss this. 
The first thing you find out about Cornelius is he's God-fearing. Okay, now this is going to be weird when you think it through. He's God-fearing. How do we know he's God-fearing? He's a believer. How do we know? Because he gave and he prayed. Do you catch it? He said it. You give generously and you pray frequently. Second thing I would tell you, he's a leader. He's a leader of men. He's a centurion, which means he has a hundred men. So they would divide the regiments up into these divisions of a hundred. He's a leader of a hundred men. The third thing I would tell you is he's, he's, a, he's a leader of his family. Did you, he and his entire family were devout and God-fearing. Did you catch it? So this is, this is, this is crazy because the fourth thing I want to tell you is he's an occupier of the land. Now, you've got to stop. You've got to understand this. This gets important. He is an occupier. He is a Roman centurion. Rome conquered Israel. Israel is having, it is literally occupied by Rome as the power. The last thing these people want is Rome. Any, the Roman Empire, they're subject to the Roman Empire. This is one of those guys. And if you're starting to think, you're going to start to understand a couple of pieces of this. You're going to go, well, this is going to get kind of weird. You see, Peter, who you're going to meet in just a moment, had every reason to resent, to reject, to hate, to fear. He had every reason to want nothing to do with this guy named Cornelius who was up there. Now stop for just a moment and think this through. Peter thinks God is only on his side. Think deep. We got God. God is the God of Israel. This is a Roman occupying centurion who's praying to our God. Stop it. That's our God. That's not your God. And the God, of which there is one of one, listens to the prayers of this Roman. Have you ever thought that God might be working in people that you don't think God would have anything to do with? Oh, it's easy for us to say, I know somebody would have nothing to do with God. Do you think God might not have anything to do with some people? Like you don't like them so much? The last thought Peter would ever have is that God would do something in a Roman soldier. Although through scripture, you see God doing things in Roman soldiers and you start going, what's going on? I'll never forget something that happened in my life. My wife, Lisa, will attest to this. My very first youth ministry, the very first kid, this is all the way back in my life. The very first kid I met in my very first youth ministry was a young man named Tim. I loved Tim. Tim was like a miracle. Tim came to faith in Jesus and he was lit up and he was on fire and he was just one of the most coolest kids. I thought all kids would be like that. And I didn't understand what a gift Tim was to me as a pastor. Tim was so on fire. And so he was bringing his friends and then we got, he started telling me about this one friend of his named Jim. And he's going, yeah, Jim, there's no hope for Jim. He would just go, you just gotta understand, Jim's just too hard and he, Jim's too far gone. Tim's a lot, or Jim is a lost cause. You don't know what Jim's into. He's into all kinds of stuff. God could never reach Jim. Well, you're probably gonna guess where the story's gonna go. Jim came to faith in Jesus. It was from the very beginning of my ministry, I saw God do this thing. It's like you're going, pay attention, watch. You see, nobody thought, God couldn't get through to Jim. Jim came to faith in Jesus. Tim baptized Jim. Jim then went as a missionary overseas. That's impossible, that can't happen. There's no way, he's too far gone. Could God be doing something in a Cornelius that you know, that you work with, that you 
part of your family maybe? You go, there's no way God has got anything to do. They will never come. Well, that's what's happening here, all right? Now let's go down. Okay, so you met Cornelius, all right? So you got what's going on up there. And by the way, he's got to be wealthy because he's got two attendants and he sends a soldier. He's got some means. He's somebody. Peter's nobody. Peter's shacking up at some guy's house. He's just hanging out there. Simon uh, the Tanner, who happens to live in Joppa, gave him a a place to stay. But let let me show you about Peter. So go down to verse 9. Again, we're going to go fast. Here we go. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey, okay, understand what's going on? Cornelius has a vision. Go to Joppa, get that guy named Peter. So he sends those guys down. So they're on their way. Now, while they're on their way, that's what you got to understand. While they're on their way, um, approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. Does he know they're coming? Not a chance. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. What? Have you ever been so hungry you could like hallucinate? Yeah. So he's on the roof and I don't know what he saw. He saw something that tripped something. He saw maybe the awning. Now pay attention. Maybe the awning, the the cloth awning. He caught eye of that. Or maybe he was looking out over the ocean because Joppa is on this Mediterranean just down from Caesarea. Maybe he was watching the ships go by and the wind catching the sails. And he was just kind of fixated on the sails. I don't know, but something, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. It's a huge sheet. And then a voice told them, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back into heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was, and they stopped by the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, okay, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up, go downstairs, do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. What? Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for, why have you come? The men replied, well, we've come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. Now let's just stop. Let's just stop. Pay attention. So God is doing something crazy in Cornelius's life up there, and God is doing something crazy in Peter's life down here. Neither have a clue about the other. They have no idea. God is preparing Cornelius. God is preparing Peter. Uh, Peter has this vision, and again, now you can maybe see why the sails on the ocean, or maybe this, the thing flopping up there on the wind, the awning, and he saw this thing. Now, if you're not catching what's going on, here's what you got to realize. The sheet comes down. It's got all kinds of animals, reptiles, birds. It's got all of that in there. And the voice says, kill and eat. And Peter's response was, surely not, Lord. No chance, no way, no how. I have never, if you're confused, Leviticus 11. Leviticus 11 talks about the food you can eat and the food you can't eat. 
And if you're thinking, think Jews and think pigs. That's all you need. So all of a sudden, this pig is in this sheet, pig in a blanket, all right? And uh, God says, kill it and eat it. Now, you see the crisis in Peter? Surely not, Lord. I have never in my entire life tasted bacon. Never. I can't, what are you saying to me, God? No, surely not. And then God says, what I declare clean, you don't get to declare impure. Well, what I say is good, you can't say is bad. And Peter is going, what? This is mind blowing to Peter. Surely not. God has to hit him upside the head three times, which is interesting. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? How many times did Jesus reaffirm Peter on the shore after he denied him? Three. How many times did the sheet come down? Three. How, how many people showed up at his door? Three. You're going to find out. Well, I can't show you. To, if you keep reading, three people join. So there's three from Joppa that go with him. Three. It's like three is the number that God uses to get Peter's attention. Three. So Peter's starting to figure out, okay, three is, I, 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 I don't know what's going on here, but God's just weird, this weird stuff, weird circumstances are happening. So kill any. All right, now, jump down to verse 23. And again, I gotta go fast. I gotta show you what happens. So Peter's gotta make a decision. Am I gonna do this and follow these guys? I know the Spirit said, yes, but he also said, kill and eat, and don't call impure what I call pure. So look at verse 23. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. Those are the three. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said, I'm only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with, with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? So let me just make sure you see what. So Cornelius has his house packed. All of his friends, all of his family, everybody's there. And, and they say, we are so anxious to hear what you have to say to us. This is like every preacher's dream. They're actually wanting to be in church. Do you see what's happening? They're like, speak. We are so anxious to hear what God's laid on your heart, Peter. And Peter's like going, oh, wow, this is like a fantasy. Um, so Peter's in his mind, he's thinking about the sheet, the sheet, the sheet. This is supposed to change. Something's supposed to change. I'm not, what God has declared clean, I can't declare unclean. And uh, he goes in, and to this incredible audience, he says the worst opening line ever in the history of preaching. Can I read it to you? He said to them, you are all well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. Now, I gotta show you a couple things that you gotta understand are going on here. Peter and Cornelius visit outside. I want you to, you can find the word inside. When he came inside, that was after what happened outside. You see, Peter shows up 
And he's going to Cornelius, what's going on, man? And Cornelius is going, man, I got my family, everybody's in here waiting to hear. And Peter's like, gotta make a decision. Do I cross this threshold? I have never crossed the threshold of a pagan's house is what he's saying. I've never entered a person who doesn't walk with God. I've never entered their home, never, ever. I have never, I have always said no. Let me stop right here, let me ask you a question. Church, what have you always said no to? What are you proud of the no's in your life? I've never, or I have always, I have always turned away whenever I get to the door of a Gentile like you. I've always said no, I've always turned away. What would it take for God to get you to see something different than you've always seen? This is what's happening. And he's gotta make a decision. And then he steps inside. I'm going for it. God gave me this crazy vision, not to call impure what God says is clean, I'm going for it. He goes inside. Now, can I just sum up what he said inside? He said, um, I just, uh, this is opening line, ready, guys? Hey, uh, good to see y'all. I just wanna start by saying, um, I don't like you. I don't like any of you. I don't like your families. I don't like your country. I don't like your customs. I don't like your mannerisms. I can't stand your food. Don't like your mamas. I don't like anything about you. But God told me to be here. What are the odds? You know, what are the odds? So that's how he begins, and he lays it out, all right? Let me show you what happens. And, and, and this will be the last I'll read, and then I'll make a couple points and we'll call it a day. But go down to verse 34. So Peter begins to speak, okay? Now, don't miss what he says. Uh, all right, so he, we ask, he says, may, may I ask why you sinned for me? Can you help me to under, yeah. God told us you were gonna tell us something really important. So Peter's going, okay, uh, on the fly here, let me preach a sermon. Peter began to speak. I now realize, don't miss what he said, how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. God uh, kind of revealed to me, like I got some attitudes that uh, I grew up with that my mom taught me that are wrong, that God's trying to unteach in me. I gotta rethink them, gotta relearn. And uh, I used to hate people who weren't like me, but I'm supposed to realize that God doesn't. It's really a hard lesson to learn, a lot of habit to break here. You know the message that God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news uh, of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know that, uh, you know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, and how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, with power, and, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Now, now we are witnesses, this is warming up. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen and by us who ate and drank with him and after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach, and he goes on and on and on. Can I tell you what he just did? He preached my Easter message. Okay, I preached his Easter message, but that's where I got it. He's going, do you understand that from now on, you understand from now on, this isn't for a little close group of people called Jews, that from now on, God is trying to get you, get me to see that you are included, get you to see that you're included, 
You know what happens if the rest of his child don't have time? You know what happens? The spirit of God descends on all of them and they're all like going, wow, and what do we do? Peter's going, get baptized, so they get baptized. And this incredible movement of God takes place. But do you understand what's happening right here? This is the first time an outsider was included inside the new church that Jesus founded. From now on, it's not gonna be just about Jewish people. From now on, it's gonna be about, well, people like you and people like me. Because you realize what happened right there is when you got invited in. And Peter had to enter the house. He had to put away all of the things he'd been taught. He had to learn something different. Unbelievable. So let me make sure you understand the big idea. Ready? Resolving to obey God never ends in regret. Peter's not going, oh, this is the stupidest thing I've ever done. I'm so sorry I was here. The church was literally launched out of Caesarea that day. And you and I are in that story. Okay, I've only got a few minutes, but I got to, I'm gonna make some applications. Please listen, okay, most important part right now. I want you to see some things, okay? Uh, three things I want you to see really, really clearly, and then I'm gonna close. Ready? Number one, I want you to see that God moves when we pray. Uh, you, you maybe used to believe this, but you need to be reminded of this. God moves when we pray. Cornelius was in Caesarea praying. Peter was in Joppa praying. God moves when we pray. Number two, I want you to understand that growth always happens outside of your comfort zone. I, 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 if I had an hour, I'd park on this right here. You know why we don't grow? You wanna know why we get stunted? Because we only want to hear what we already believe. It's called confirmation bias. I only wanna read, I only wanna hear, I only wanna exchange ideas with people who agree with all my ideas. The, the truth of the matter is, listen, please listen, you're living in a world that uses algorithms to tell you what you already believe. Confirmation bias. They're, they're literally curating, they're cutting up the news, giving you, spoon feeding, spoon feeding you only what you already believe, because they know it, because they've watched your, algorithms have tracked you. They know what you're paying attention to. Oh, you're the kind of person who likes to hear this kind of news. Here, have some of this. You wanna know why you're not growing? Because you only believe what you believe. Growth happens when you get out of that and you go, I'm gonna read stuff from opposing points of view. Not, 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 not like I'm gonna be hostile. No, I'm gonna surrender myself. I wanna hear some points of views that are different. I wanna understand the nugget of truth that somebody's trying to show me. Folks, this is not our culture right now at all. We don't wanna read anyone. We don't wanna to listen to anyone. We don't wanna hang out with anyone who thinks different than we think. Growth happens when you do that. And uh, the third and last point, and that's this. The key to growth in your life is submit to God. Everything in the story happens so fast. That's why we just got through an entire chapter. It goes so fast. Everything goes fast. You know the one point where it slowed down was when Peter started fighting with God. Surely not, Lord, surely not. Do you realize that's what slows down all progress? Surely not, Lord. Can, can I explain something? The word Lord means boss. When you say no, Lord, you're saying no, boss. That's an oxymoron. If he's your boss, you say yes. Yes, sir. Whatever you say, sir. Whatever you say, boss. Surely not, Lord, is the thing that will stop your progress. Where God's trying to move you and you don't want to go. 
what God's trying to get you to do, but you don't want to do. Surely not, Lord, is the great way you hide behind yourself and your past and your excuses and not become the person that God wanted you to become. Surely not, Lord. You want me to forgive that person who wronged me? Surely not, Lord. You, you want me to go to that person that I wronged and say I'm sorry? Surely not, Lord. You want me to end that sinful relationship that I'm hiding? Surely not, Lord. You want me to stop watching what I'm watching on my computer? Surely not, Lord. You want me to share my faith at work? Surely not, Lord. You want me to pray for my enemy? Surely not, Lord. You see what's going on here? You want me to love that person who's a different color than me? A different race than mine? Surely not, Lord. Well, what about your life are you going to live to regret when it's all said and done and God shows you? You never listened to me. I tried everything. You never would listen. You never learned. You never learned. People's regrets in their life usually have to do with what they didn't do. You can study this. Most people get to the end of their life, what do you regret? It's what I didn't do. I, I, I didn't speak up. I didn't make my marriage a priority. I didn't spend time with my family. I didn't say I love you often enough. I didn't give. I didn't invest myself. I didn't trust. I didn't argue enough on Facebook. Okay, that, the last one's not in there. <laughs> Nobody's going to regret not arguing more on Facebook. All right? Folks, the idea is simply this. Resolving to obey God never ends in regret. So the last thing I want to say is this. Okay. So I'm going to uh, so say two names, and you're going to identify with this with one of them, depending on how old you are. Yeah, Monty Hall. So I was going, Monty Hall? Oh, that's, let's make a deal. You're like, that's not Monty Hall. It's Wayne Brady. So depending on how old you are. Okay? Monty Hall was the original Wayne Brady. All right? If you don't know the premise of, of let's make a deal, let me explain it to you. They would put three doors or three curtains. I'll show you a picture. You get the idea. This is the Monty Hall. Uh, let's make a deal. So there's door number one, door number two, door number three. And so you're the contestant. You right there. You're the contestant. Um, okay, here's what I need you to know. Uh, I'm going to tell you two of the three things that are behind there. There's a goat and there is a uh, 2021 Lamborghini. Uh, and then there's something else. So um, pick a curtain. Which curtain? She has to look. There's only three. <laughs> it's one of the three choices. Which one are you going with? Number two. Whatever one has Lamborghini. You, uh, I'm going with the one with the Lamborghini. That's what she said. Of course you are, but you don't know which one. Pick a, you got to pick a... Really, uh, the game show is going to end here in a minute. We have... We, there is a clock. It's um, over time. She's going to go with number two. She's going to go with number two. Okay, uh, she's going to go with number two. Let me show you what was behind number three. And now I'm going to show you a goat. And then I'm going to ask you the question. You want to change? You want to change? You want to change? You want to change your guess? You're going to stay with two? You sure don't want number one? Okay, you're going to stay with, you're going to stay with two? Okay, now I want to explain. Listen to a dynamic that's happening right now. There's a whole lot we could talk about this. I'm going to skip a bunch of it. Here's what you need to understand. If I show you what's behind two and it's a stack of hay to go with the goat, and then I show you what's behind number three, or whichever, I'm confused right now, but the other one, and I show you the Lamborghini, do you realize I've just made you miserable for the rest of your life? Do you realize I've done that? There was a goat, there was some hay, and there was a Lamborghini. You chose poorly. Now, listen, if you don't see it and you don't know it, you're not aware of it, and you're fine. It was like, you promised, but I never saw it. If you see what you could have had, this is the point. If you see what you could have had, here's where I'm gonna close. When you die and you go to heaven, God's gonna show you something. He's gonna open up his iPad and he's gonna show you, I wanna show you a picture. 
I want to show you a picture. And so he says, I want to show you. So he shows you a picture of your life. And you go, oh, that's my life. Yeah, that's your life. That was, a, that was awesome. It was an awesome life. And then you go, like it? Yeah. Oh, it's so beautiful, beautiful. And then he says this. Let me show you what you could have had. And he shows you a different life. And you look at it and you go, what do you mean I could have had? He said, that's the life I wanted to give you. See, your life is the before. You don't get the after until you resolve to submit. You see, before is gonna leave you with regret because God has something he's trying to show you. That's what this is all about. From now on, don't settle. Don't settle for your way of leading your life, for your way of making the decision. Don't settle for that. Go for what God has for you. You will never regret a resolve in your heart, I'm gonna obey. I gotta close, let's pray, and then John will come up here and your campus pastor will come up wherever you are. So God, thank you for the message of this passage. God, thank you for the, just the understanding that we're supposed to change, we're supposed to grow, we're supposed to think thoughts we've never thought, we're supposed to become more, but we so often just stay as less. God, don't let us get to the end of our life and live with regret of what could have been. God, help us go for whatever it is that you have for us. Help us to love beyond the lines, the limits, the boundaries, the world. Help us to figure this one out. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you all very much. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our hope is that you are left inspired and challenged to continue to grow in your faith If you are looking for more from Central, follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. See you next time. Until then, go be the church.